0: You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania.
1: Hey, it's Sarah. And hey, it's Grace. And today I have a two-part story for you. The two parts may or may not be related. (laughs) But you'll see soon enough. But this first part was actually suggested by a listener. It's about the disappearance of Tamara Tammy Porin in 1986. So that's what we're going to start off with for this episode is her disappearance. So Tamara Dawn Porin was in the eighth grade at, is it Du Bois or is it Du Bois? Um, I always say
0: Dubois.
1: Okay, all right, Dubois. We're gonna go with Dubois. Probably wrong. That it just feels right to me. So I'm very sorry if I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Honestly, jokingly,
0: half the time we say Dubois because that's how the GPS (laughs) pronounces it. So um, Dubois. That's very fancy. We just say Dubois because my parents used to live out near there. Okay. So the the one exit. Was like something and Dubois, and so I, when it was on the GPS, it would always say Dubois, and so now my whole family says that. So I'm broken on what it's actually pronounced <laughs> as.
1: Well, I'm gonna go with Dubois. I don't say it too often in the story, so I will just say that Tammy was in eighth grade at the junior high, 1986. She was last seen in Bois, which is in Clearf- Clearfield County uh just so you have some reference uh if you're not Sarah you clearly know where that is so this was on the evening of November 22nd 1986 the charlie project website said that she was habitually truant and she was often fighting with her parents and running away so she did have a history of running away from home um But though she had run away in the past, authorities suspect foul play in this case, and she is considered endangered, missing. Okay. So it may even be that she did run away on her own, but something happened to her, and that's why she didn't return. It wasn't... I mean, she was young. She was in eighth grade, so she certainly wasn't staying away for super long periods of time. So after a while... We ran into that a little
0: bit with the Kathy Kelly case, Mm -hmm. um, where she was later listed as missing rather than runaway, just because so much time had passed and she hadn't returned. Right. So I'm wondering if that's kind of a similar situation here that caused that classification to be endangered missing Mm -hmm. versus runaway.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's been since 1986, right? Crazy to think that that's longer than we've been alive. So yeah, it, yes. I, after a while, you've got to realize that something is not right there. So from the Charlie project website, I got her description. So she was 15 years old. She was born in 1971. Uh, she would be 51. She'll be turning 51. She's a Sagittarius like me. (laughs) Did she go missing
0: the day before her birthday? day after her birthday she went missing
1: no the day, no, before, day before you're right i didn't even put that together <laughs> yeah i only
0: did because my brain likes 1122 so when you said november 22nd my brain likes it cuz it's a double number yeah so when i saw the 1123 it triggered in my brain that it was not 1122
1: that just makes this sadder for whatever reason but yeah. i mean she was young either way so right But, yeah, she would be 51 or about to turn 51 today. She was 5 feet, 130 pounds, Caucasian female, brown hair, brown eyes. And her full name is Tamara Dawn, but she did go by Tammy. Um, And unfortunately, there's not too much more. On her, there's really just like the profiles on websites like Charlie Project, Doe Network, and they all kind of say the same thing. Her sister admins a Facebook page for her, and she's just begging for information from anyone who may know anything. She just wants her sister back yeah. and answers. But even on that page, most of the links to news articles and videos are broken. And I mean, that mm. just happens after a while because it seems really right. no news outlets have done anything recently.
0: Right. And if they're not paying to upkeep a domain, everything on there is going to get lost.
1: Right. So unfortunately, there's just not too too much Info. I will say that if you have any information about what happened to Tammy, you can contact the Pennsylvania State Police. From what I saw, the contact person is Trooper David Ray, and that phone number is 814-938-0532. And I'll uh, post those, um, like the NamUs case numbers and all of that on the blog when I update that. So I'll make sure that that information is there and pictures as well. There is an age progressed photo of what she may look like today, but that's, you know, pretty much all the info I have about Tammy, but I really wanted to make sure I got her information out there and made the first part really about her because then we go into the second part that may or may not be related. And I just wanted to make sure she kind of got the spotlight on her, uh, as much as we can. So, okay. For the second part here, what I have is this bizarre situation that is potentially linked to Tammy. So when you search for her, it immediately pops up. And I have never heard of this. As much as I'm into weird stuff like this, I don't weird yeah. stories. I've never heard of it until I was looking up Tammy. So anyway, I'll get right into it. All right. On the afternoon of December 12th, 2014 in Beaver County, Charles, he's a teenager, he got off the school bus and headed home down Mason Road. Now this was like a narrow road with only a few homes at the end of it. So it wasn't like a super busy area. There was actually a field next to the road that he was walking on so that particular day he just decided to take a detour through the field apparently it was just sort of overgrown Um, it's not like there were like crops in it or anything it was just this overgrown field he decided to kind of go walking through now it was there that he made a horrifying discovery it was a human head with no body to be found in the area And I just think like from all the stories we've done, these poor kids that are always finding bodies and body parts and, you know, in in the most gruesome way, it's not even just like, not that it's really that much better, but to see someone that maybe was just like a body that was just lying there and wasn't. Decaying or anything, but these kids find them like chopped up and. Or even, you know, know, there's
0: a difference between being a part of a search party and maybe knowing that you'll find a body or something versus like so many of the cases we've covered. It's just been like hunters setting traps or people taking a shortcut home or just going for a leisurely walk. And it's like, oh, okay, so normal Thursday, get off the school bus and oops, severed head. Like, That's unfortunate, which seems like not a strong enough word, but like wrong place, wrong time. I don't want to be getting off a school bus and finding a severed head.
1: No, my God. So as if that wasn't shocking enough, the head was perfectly preserved. So, I mean... I don't I don't know which is worse, finding a perfectly preserved head or finding one that's in advanced stages of decay. I don't know. I guess there's no good way to find a severed head. But probably not. It was like maybe you might think it's a mannequin head because it was just so perfectly and oddly preserved.
0: Sure. It makes me think of um, I think it's the Sleepy Hollow movie with Johnny Depp. But my mom and I watched like literally every Sleepy Hollow movie we could get our hands on all in the same weekend. So they all kind of mushed together in my brain. But at one point, they talk about the the wounds from the Headless Horseman were cauterized immediately. So there was no like bleeding out or anything. Mm -hmm. And that's what it makes me think of like some sort of is could it have been preserved from cauterization or was it just that cold because it was – I mean – December 12th isn't even winter. It's still autumn.
1: Mm, So don't worry. You're going to find out.
0: (laughs) Great. Okay. I'm just going to shut up now. Don't
1: you worry. All right. So it was apparent that the head belonged to a female. Her gray hair was curled and there were two moles on her cheeks. So you could obviously really see her features. And then, good for him, like we were just talking about being really shocked if we found this just in our daily lives. Charles calmly calls 911 and just says, I found a human head.
0: Normal things.
1: I mean, I, I guess that's what I would do, but I would probably really fall apart first. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And how old is
0: is he at this time? Do we know? It just said, it says he got off a school bus. It just said
1: teenager. I want to okay. say maybe someplace I saw like 15 or something. Okay. But he teenager is what I'm just I thinking saw.
0: of what age you could be calm enough, but I I can't even, like, almost 30. I can't <laughs> yeah. think well, I'd be calm enough. I was gonna so. say,
1: it's not 32. <laughs> yeah. So, fast forward to police collecting the head to investigate. It was determined that the reason the head was so well-preserved was that it was professionally embalmed.
0: So, we're grave robbing and
1: beheading people? I'm gonna answer that question, too. Cool. <laughs> well, potentially. So, Yes, it was professionally embalmed, not just, you know, it was by someone that knew what they were doing. Investigators consulted morticians and they agreed that it was done the correct way. However, there was something about the condition of the head that did not seem so professional. So where this woman's eyeballs should have been under eye caps. No. I'm which, just saying
0: no with the word eyeballs.
1: Which is something, eye caps are something morticians use to keep the eyes closed, uh, yeah. very commonly used. They were bright red toy balls stuck no. in the sockets. No. Like the kind you get in like a ball and jack set, like that bouncy ball. No, stop it. Eyes freak me out. Now, the first article I read about this described the head as like staring up at Charles with like these red ball eye sockets but i guess maybe luckily for him when he found them actually the eyes were closed because of the eye caps so he I couldn't think so. see the balls but when they it was investigated they found them let's move away from eyeballs let's talk about something else well they'll come back so oh, okay for Great. now i hate eyes eyes are just i hate well Okay, we're going to talk about it for like another minute. I'm sorry. But when organ donors have their eyes taken, usually something like flesh colored cotton or something similar is put in their place and covered with gauze. You know, it's going to be done in a professional way.
0: Yeah, I did know that because my grandfather donated his eyes. Okay. Whenever he passed. See, it doesn't freak me out when it's an organ donor who says, yes, take these out of my skull. I'm okay with that. That's
1: exactly what it says on my driver's license. It says, please take my eyeballs out (laughs) of my skull. Um, Mine doesn't because nobody wants my
0: eyeballs.
1: (laughs) No one wants mine either. All that astigmatism. No one wants that. So according to Wes Culp of the Pennsylvania Department of Health, If Jane Doe had died recently, the only thing that an organ procurement organization would have taken from the eyes would be the corneas. Okay. so they generally wouldn't even take the entire eye. Oh, so I can imagine finding those balls were was absolutely shocking. And I hate that I keep saying like balls that weirds me out, too. This whole thing is very shocking. Just shot. That's the only word I can really think of. Yeah. According to Kevin Moran, an embalming instructor, which I mean, I guess that makes sense. Those exist, but I've never read about one before. <laughs> the use of eye caps is very professional. But then you have the red balls, which aren't used in any, you know, by morticians or right. coroners or anything like that. That's not in the industry. You don't use red rubber balls. Uh, to me, it seems degrading. Yeah, these were just your run of the mill toys. They were stamped with "Made in China." You can find them in any store or twenty five cent machine, like the at the bottom of every toy chest, right. which makes them impossible to track too. So this wasn't a very even a very good clue. Right, you know, it's a very common item, just not in this situation. And you know, I. I have like the nervous laughter because it's so bizarre, but somebody really desecrated this body and was very disrespectful to whoever this is. As kind
0: of as horrible of a thought as it is, you have to wonder, did somebody use the red balls because they knew they wouldn't be traced or because they knew it wouldn't link back to a particular location? Um, I mean,
1: sure. I guess if you could trace the type of gauze or something that might be used in say a particular funeral home that right, would be easier to seems track like a
0: stretch to be able to trace gauze also but
1: yeah i wouldn't know
0: <laughs> i yeah i have no clue
1: so the thing with the eyeballs is certainly disturbing but the main goal for investigators at this point is giving this woman her name back Though the head was very well preserved, they weren't about to release a photo of it it to the public. Sure. um, For obvious reasons. So a clay model was made by an anatomy professor. And I guess it took, I mean, a ridiculous number of hours, as you can imagine, to really sculpt her likeness out of clay. Sure. Um, And I will post photos of the sculpture. I mean, sculpting it
0: well enough for an investigation. Right. Like, it's not just a die cast model of something. I mean, goodness gracious.
1: I guess an anatomy anatomy professor is exactly who you would want for that task. (laughs) They also released some sketches, including some age regressed photos to show what she may have looked like when she was younger. I've seen reports estimating Jane Doe's age anywhere from 50 to late 60s. But apparently the embalming made that a little bit difficult. Sure. As I can imagine. So while they were waiting for tips to come in, investigators discovered isotopes that would point to the general area where Jane Doe had spent her last few years of life. Uh, we talked about isotopes in a couple of other cases too. But as a reminder, these isotopes are able to give geographical information because right. every place on earth has slightly different, a slightly different mineral composition in their water sources. Yeah. So and it really does kind of give a very broad range, but still in the in the yeah. scope of things worldwide, sure. um, it could be shown that she was probably in the area of Western PA, Ohio, West Virginia, possibly New York, but okay. kind of that area of the United States. And that would be shortly before her death, but she was probably moving around a lot. Within this area, Uh, maybe she was in different nursing homes or being moved around by her family. It's hard to tell. It was also said that she likely grew up in the Western PA area. And if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly, I think this has more to do with her teeth um, showing where someone grew up. I
0: believe Um, so, because it's teeth, skin and hair. Are those the three things that they take and they look at the makeup
1: of? I think the teeth have to do with fluoride. I don't know about the other ones. Exactly. Which is why I'm
0: thinking that the teeth would be the the geographical location of like younger. Right. Yeah. Because it would be more of the nutrients that you got or didn't get or those mineral deposits that you had or didn't have as a kid, as the skull and teeth were forming Mm -hmm. versus later on in life.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. According. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped something. But she was likely not in Beaver County when she died, which is where she was found. So they did say that. According to one source, the head was sawed roughly kind of toward the outside. Sorry to get graphic. Um, but like the initial cuts were pretty rough. But moving toward the inside cuts, they became much more precise. Hmm. It's pretty clear based on the condition of the head and the fact that the rubber balls were still in the eye sockets that it had been placed in this field as opposed to being thrown from a vehicle. Because even with the eye caps, I mean, I can't imagine someone just driving by and kind of as gruesome as it is just chucking this head out the window because it would be right. kind of discombobulated and you would really see marks from it even like hitting the ground or rolling around right so it just really seems like it was placed here instead of well falling or being thrown that would make
0: sense too because if you are just at the you know on the road and you're throwing it if you've got a really good arm you might throw it a decent way into the field but if you don't have a super strong throwing arm it's not going to go as far if you're throwing it out the window of a car as if you, you know, walk it into a field sure. and place it somewhere.
1: And it didn't say exactly where in the field, but I get the feeling that, you know, the head wasn't visible from the road necessarily, but I don't think that Charles had walked too far, too far? and it okay. was uh, like overgrown. So it's kind of if you think if you step off, step off to the side of the road and kind of a overgrown area sure you don't have to go very very far before you may right. find something you couldn't see from the road yeah so jane doe did have a full set of teeth which was x-rayed and it was determined that at one point work had been done on every single tooth same so that is a lot of dental work investigators are hopeful that a dentist may be the one to crack this case yeah yeah Because that's very specific. She would have very specific dental records.
0: Sure. And I'm sure that she probably had dental records in multiple places, especially if we're saying that the isotope analysis seems to support the idea that she was traveling a lot or moving around a lot within different areas.
1: That was Um, more toward the end of her life that they pointed that out. So some of
0: those could have also been, you know. Some were filled as a kid and some were filled as an adult at different dentists. I'm sure. And so there my point in all of that is that there are probably multiple dentists' offices that have had records of this person but just didn't know to compare it to anything.
1: Right. Uh, So she had dental fillings that dated back to the 80s or 90s, though one tooth was filled with a compound that was not available until after 2004. So that also helps them kind of narrow down when she may have died, since they don't even know that yet. Um, So they could at least say she was alive at least around this time. Yeah. So it seemed like her dental care was on an as-needed basis or kind of they call it patchwork dental work meaning that she may have been of a lower economic status and didn't have great dental insurance so going back to having dental records too I don't if you go to like free clinics and stuff like that where you just might get fillings I don't know how many records I have no they would have I should ask Christy, actually. My best friend is a dental hygienist.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she'd be the one to, even Uh, if she doesn't know, she's the most likely one to know.
1: Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure. She could have extensive dental records or very little dental records. Yeah. Uh, She probably also grew up somewhere where there was no fluoride added to the water. So we did talk about that before. Despite that, whoever worked on her teeth did a good job and took good care of her. So it's like, did she go back to the same person every time, and they really, right. even though she didn't have great insurance and had to have fillings instead of maybe like crowns or something else, um they made sure they took care of yeah. her
0: I mean, I'll say too, like my uncle and my brother both don't have dental insurance. um my uncle was self employed and is retired. Mm-hmm. My brother is just self employed, so you know the only dental insurance he would get is if he bought it himself in the marketplace and it's just not worth it. Right. (laughs) Because there's a dentist in this area that doesn't take insurance and is very, very reasonable with pricing. Okay. So it could even be, you know, like I'm pretty sure that Scott has fixed every tooth that has needed fixing in my uncle's mouth, but... He's never had insurance and he doesn't go regularly. He just, you know, goes when he, you know, feels something and he sure. kind of just goes with this. I know my body. I know my mouth. I know when something feels off. Mm-hmm. And so this could even be one of those situations where, you know, if I had to go to my uncle's dentist, I could get all of his records, even right. though, you know, he doesn't have the the dental insurance shown or anything like that so it could even sure. be that kind of situation as well
1: i hope it's that kind of situation and i hope they could get their hands on these dental records because it does seem like that would be yeah, you know what would solve this right they were investigators were also able to find traces of medications related to a cardiac incident So she may have suffered a heart attack or something similar shortly before she died. One Hmm. article said that toxicology reports suggested that she suffered from chronic pain. So I'm guessing like like a buildup of pain medication. I mean, I don't want to speculate on how they came up with that. I have no idea.
0: See, this is where I want Elena Urquhart to (laughs) jump in. How do you get an accurate toxicology report from a head that's been embalmed? Like, I mean, I guess you have your standard embalming chemicals, but, you know, what if this particular person didn't have access to, like, a professional embalming lab or not lab, oh my gosh, professional embalming room, and they weren't able to do that in there, so they had to kind of make their own or something and just used a different combination of chemicals. I don't know. I... I'm just uncertain of how you could get a toxicology report from something that has been embalmed that foreign chemicals were added to to preserve.
1: I think, well, just to reply to like the types of chemicals that may have been used, it was said that it was definitely like a normal professional procedure. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily something weird from, okay. from what I can tell from the research that, sure, you know, the morticians that they talked to and everything had said, you know, it was just a normal embalming process. But I, that's a really good point because we'll talk about how the embalming process really screwed up any DNA evidence that they could have gotten from her. So if they screw that up, how do you get the toxicology? But clearly you can somehow because they found specific medications and everything. So I'm not 100% sure.
0: So I found a research paper and I've literally only read the abstract. So I will dive into this a little bit deeper. But the abstract of this year-long study from the UK states that the embalming of human bodies creates significant difficulties for forensic toxicologists, pathologists, and coroners. Hmm. So it does say that it's possible to identify the presence of drugs, the constituent chemicals, in embalming fluids affect not only the detection, but also the rate of decay of the majority of both pharmaceutical and illicit drugs in blood and many other bodily tissues.
1: I so, wonder if there's also certain medications that that affects more than others. Sure.
0: That's yeah. what, I, well, because it says pharmaceutical and illicit drugs. So any sort of pharmaceutical would be any sort of um, prescribed medication.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think that through, but I just don't have enough education on it. So I'm, I won't speculate anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was just, good. I'm glad that you it, found that. It, it struck
0: me. Um, so I'm going to try to find the actual full um version of this paper which is actually pretty easy to do. So, I will look into that more later. Cool. But if
1: we can put any extra info we have, we'll throw yeah. that up on the blog. That'd be cool. Absolutely. Thank you. I'll
0: try to find an actual link that um takes to if nothing else at least that abstract.
1: Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So don't ask me how they knew about this. But it, the report also suggested that she uh, may someone may have tried to resuscitate her around the time of her death.
0: I was wondering that as well. I just wasn't even going to go there because.
1: Right. It's so crazy to think that you could get all this information. And clearly they're still lacking because they don't know who she is. But that's still a lot of information just to get from someone's head. Right. That's wild. And hopefully, you know, science will continue to advance so that we can find out more.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So just to kind of reiterate, it has never been determined exactly how or when she died. So that besides not knowing who she is, we don't know that information either. So as for the connection to Tammy, Jane Doe bears a striking resemblance to Tammy Even Tammy's brother, Ernest, agrees, and he was willing to give DNA to see if there was a genetic match. But unfortunately, like I mentioned, um, the embalming process kind of screwed that up. So a solid connection was never established. It was more, you know, by sight.
0: I mean, it wasn't... It didn't come back as there's definitely no connection to you. It just came back as there's no usable DNA at this time. And I'm guessing
1: they didn't have Tammy's dental records because that seems like it would be a pretty easy way to say, no, this is not her. But I could not find anywhere that said it absolutely isn't Tammy. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of left hanging like that.
0: I'm scrolling right now between the pictures of Tammy and the uh, clay bust. And I, I mean, I can see it.
1: Right. So the sketches and bust turned up no useful leads. Meanwhile, investigators looked into where the body may have come from. Thinking that someone may have taken Jane Doe from a cemetery, they looked for any desecrated graves in the area, but came up with nothing. Okay. It was also mostly ruled out that the head had not come from a funeral home in the area. So if it came from any of those two places, it wasn't anywhere close to local.
0: Okay. What about crematoriums? Although I guess you wouldn't embalm someone if you were cremating them. So never mind.
1: Right. Beaver County DA Anthony Baroche believes that the head may have something to do with the black market on body parts, which is apparently booming is the word that they used. So that's that's terrifying. It's a
0: viable theory, though, especially with the eyeballs missing.
1: Yep. We'll talk about that pretty soon, too. Cool.
0: More eyeball talk.
1: I know. Let's talk about eyeballs. Still, others believe that the woman had been killed and then used as some part of sick experiment, which is the the grossest theory to think about, that someone did this on purpose. And if they did, I assume it would really have to be someone that was involved at one point in the death industry, because if you're professionally embalming someone, that's not just like a basement experiment. That's a very professional process. Right. So I'm not exactly sure what I think about that. Police, for the most part, have dismissed the idea that Jane Doe was a missing person, because how could she have ended up in a funeral home as an unidentified person, which they're not even like sure that she came from. So... Right. I don't know, that's muddy to me. And if she had been treated at a hospital for a heart condition, how could she have been treated as a documented missing person? That holds a little more weight for me. But basically they're saying like if this was a missing person, they would have been caught by all the entities that get involved when someone dies and and embalmed her. So that's what they're thinking.
0: I can I can see that.
1: Yeah. So even though there was nothing that said it definitely wasn't Tammy most people don't really believe that this was the head of a missing person. The most prevalent theory these days, at least when it comes to law enforcement, is that the body was dismembered professionally by a body broker. So these are people that sell parts from people that have donated their bodies to science. So aside... Like black
0: market or like legit?
1: So... We'll talk about that a little bit. It's kind of unclear, but yes, probably a little bit of both. When you're an organ donor, you know, you're donating organs to save someone else or to, you know, enrich someone else's life with body brokers. It's about research. Okay, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I got you. I'm with you.
1: So these sales are very difficult to track because they're not really regulated. And remember okay. the eyeball thing, Sarah, do you remember that? No, thing? I
0: forgot it completely.
1: Uh, how in an organ donor situation, only the corneas would be taken. Do you remember when yes. I said that?
0: I was hoping that we would continue <laughs> to talk about it. I know that you, bet so you so wanted you. that.
1: Let's let's keep talking about it more. Go ahead. Great. Go ahead. So a body broker would take the entire set of eyes and sell it for research. Yeah, that makes sense. Another sign that a body broker may have been involved is the precise removal of the cervical spine. Uh, apparently separating the head from the spine or the neck maximizes the profitability of both. Okay. So you can sell them separately, you know? Like, it's like selling spare parts and it's really gross. And I understand that people really do use these things for research. The body is... Yeah. You know, they were donated to science, but it's mm-hmm. just kind of gross and it's so unregulated. So I think the yeah. lines are kind of blurry too. Like you were asking about the black market, I think it's kind of blurry between people being shady and I yeah. don't even know what the word is and being yeah. kind of above board. But none of it seems above board when you're dealing with body parts.
0: <laughs> I think just because of the human aspect. But if you look at it scientifically, a dead body is a cadaver. Yes. So, I mean, my uh, friend of mine, my god sister, passed away um, actually just about 10 years ago, not quite. And because of the rare and aggressive form of cancer that was within her body, I don't know if it was everything or if it was just organs. I think it was just organs, was donated to science, like her lungs, her liver, like all the pieces that were riddled with the leomyosarcoma i know she donated at least some of those organs um and hers was for research okay um so that would make sense
1: yeah it is just icky like about the human aspect of it yes so dr cyril wecht was even consulted do you remember him like i hear about him constantly now ever
0: (laughs) since ever since the first case that you brought him up with um which might have been dakota james might have been the first one you mentioned him it was one yes, of the pittsburgh yes, ones yes um i swear i have even heard and seen his name a thousand places aside from the two or three other episodes we've done on here that mention him
1: yeah and aside like, his from name like is the popping big up ones everywhere. aside from the big well, ones that he was yeah. already mentioned that he was a part of like jean benet right. um yes i hear everyone consults him everyone like calls him up and they're like hey cyril what do you think about this <laughs> and he says, first of all, he's done more than 20,000 autopsies. Gross. So he probably knows what he's talking about. He just agrees that the cutting wasn't done by an amateur. Says, we see a rather neat surgical dissection. He said, after examining the crime scene photos, somebody took their time, is what he said. And I hmm. read that all in his voice which I think I mentioned before I'm sure he's a brilliant man but I can't stand listening to can't him get past speak. the voice <laughs> so that's all I'm gonna say about him but he you know he agreed he's like this is someone that knew what they were doing yeah so the following is from uh I believe it's rooters.com it. article I've never I don't know how I haven't come across this site before because it's there's a lot going on there. So I'm just going to read this little excerpt verbatim because I don't even know how to paraphrase it. One reason the head may have come from a bo- from the body trade, the industry has been linked to similar abuses in the past. Reuters, which is the website, has identified thousands of body parts that have been misused or desecrated since 2004. Wow. In the case of Detroit-based body broker Arthur rathburn authorities alleged he stored human heads by stacking them directly on top of each other without any protective barrier rathburn but not fa- in a field so not, not in him. a field okay. rathburn faces trial in january charged with defrauding healthcare clients by misleading them about infected human remains and with lying to federal agents yikes so what's
0: the point like i get the you can sell them on the black market make more money than if you're you know selling them to research i get that but why would you be keeping them stacking them directly on top of each other like if you've got that many random severed heads why are you hanging on to them i can't imagine that you come by like 10 severed heads a day
1: yeah yeah i guess you're right so this this goes on to say Typically, however, authorities stumble across these cases only by happenstance. An airline employee in Arkansas discovered 40 severed heads being shipped in plastic containers in 2010.
0: OK, so apparently the limit is not 40.
1: No, the limit does not exist. Um, sorry for that mean girl's reference. It's October 3rd. Two years ago in Texas, police found an entire cadaver lying on the side of the road. It had fallen from a van on the way to a body broker in Colorado. The driver, Reuters reported at the time, hadn't noticed that the body was missing.
0: So, yeah. There are multiple things happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how how does a body fall from a van? Like, I how just... does a cadaver fall from a van? Because in my brain, I'm seeing, like, the coffee <laughs> that you... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. you put them in a van and the doors are shut you either
1: lose all of them or none of them <laughs> i don't understand I didn't, i'm sorry that didn't really enter my mind because they said van but i thought <laughs> pickup truck <laughs> which isn't really better because i imagine like a stack and of bodies and just like one and out. like I feel so bad because it's gruesome, but I can't when something is this bizarre, I can't help but laugh. I can't help it. Someone's
0: it's, it's so awkward that it's laughing just covers the awkwardness. Yeah. And it's like someone zooming down the road. This <laughs> body just flies Loses off. a body, but then doesn't realize it.
1: Yeah. So that's what I'm saying about like people that like run a business and don't give a shit about their inventory and they don't even like notice things. That's what they're treating these human bodies as is just when inventory worked, to sell. It's just. When I worked
0: in retail, we treated lotion better. Like, no. Honest
1: yeah.
0: Honestly. Like, we it's knew horrifying. where the lotion, how many lotions were in a box and candles and to not keep saying the word lotion i worked at bath and body works so Stop like it's
1: saying lotion.
0: you said eyeball roughly seventy five thousand times and I just say balls
1: for. and i hate the words in... <laughs> i hate the words in this episode i hate it so much okay so it goes on Complicating the Pennsylvania case, bodies and parts can be bought, sold, and leased across America with relative ease. That makes determining the origins of remains like the head found in economy difficult, if not impossible. There's so many places where you can get these parts, says Michelle Vitali, who is the anatomy professor who created the clay bust of Jane Doe. Uh, she says, but it's hard to trace back. Sure.
0: How do you lease something for research? Like, silliness aside of, you know, like leasing an arm or whatever, like, how do you lease something for research? wouldn't it then be like contaminated for future research
1: i'm guessing if you're only researching say you're like gathering skin cells or something and that's all that's you need true. maybe then you return it for if someone else needs that's it that's true or like something, something with nerves. Else. yeah
0: like related to nerves you could okay yeah that's fair also
1: total speculation because what i don't i've never even thought about this i guess it's not shocking a that it kind English. of exists, but like, I don't actually know this I have stuff. a fashion degree. I don't know about body <laughs> brokering. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> but now we do. Now we do know these things. So that was the end of that little uh, clip from the article. So transplant organizations are strictly regulated, while body brokers are not. So when it comes to life saving organs, strictly regulated, which sure. makes sense. But then body brokers who are just selling and buying body parts all over the place, which is the most bizarre thing I think I've ever said, it's not regulated. I feel like
0: it. you'd want that to be regulated so that if you're doing research on something, you've got paperwork behind what you're working with.
1: Yes, I will mention that in a minute, too, actually. Okay. Um, so yes, even just for research purposes, if you can't trace like the body parts back to where they came from, like what good is that to you?
0: Well, and any sort of data that you're searching for, which is essentially what science does with their research is trying to find some sort of qualitative or quantitative pattern in something to apply to medicine or other sciences, you need to have some sort of base to understand like, Even when I get new kids, I can't just, you know, beginning of the school year, throw a bunch of kids into a project and say, here, good luck. Like, I have to gather data on my students to know what to do for them. So, like, we're just over here handing out arms for research that probably shouldn't be tested together for something. I don't know. That just, it seems backwards to me. Like, you'd want that documentation for research.
1: You know, when it was kind of... I don't know. People were just saying it a lot. Maybe it was like the early 2010s or whatever, when people would say it was for science. Like we're doing this for science. Yes. So that's just what has been going through my head. Like every time something bizarre pops up in the story, I'm like for science. science.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Kind of like now we're always asking for a friend. Yes. (laughs) Different meanings, but.
1: So at one point, investigators considered the idea of purchasing a human head from a body broker for comparison reasons, for science. (laughs) Sorry, that wasn't planned at all, (laughs) but they ultimately decided against it. They had specifically been looking to learn one, how easy it was to purchase one. And two, well, yeah. what it looked like, what the cuts looked like, and how that compared to Jane Doe. But the heroes of this episode are the people of com, which yeah. is a division of this giant like multimedia conglomerate, um, but part of what they do is investigative journalism, and they do a ton of it, and they seem pretty fearless to give them some credit. So anyway, they decided to purchase a head, two actually. Two heads. The heads, when I told this to Ben, he was like, excuse me? The heads were $300 each plus shipping.
0: So literally, if I sold the head off of my shoulders, I couldn't pay my mortgage. (laughs)
1: Like, yeah. Okay. You got to sell all your parts. Uh, Plus shipping. And note (laughs) that they had already purchased a cervical spine prior to this. I'm like, so... Before this idea about the heads was even thrown out there, you had already purchased a cervical spine. Sarah can't get herself together.
0: It's but so still...
1: insane <laughs> to talk about I'm
0: just, this. I'm just cracking up over you saying plus shipping.
1: <laughs> I'm really plus shipping tired. and handling, like those infomercials. Handling. Three easy payments of ninety nine ninety nine plus shipping and handling. <laughs> <laughs> So they noted that the cuts on those purchased heads were similar to the cuts on Jane Doe's. So they gave the purchase heads to Angela MacArthur. She leads the anatomical bequest program at the University of Minnesota so she could examine them. She did agree about the cuts being similar, but she was concerned that the two purchase heads had no identity tags. Though not required by law, how would you ever be able to trace it back to a body? So right. like we were talking about for research purposes, plus they could just as easily end up on the side of the road unidentifiable right. just like Beaver County Jane Doe. What stops that from happening if they're not ID'd? Right. So it really seems like maybe more of a widespread problem. And that's that's all of the gross details that okay. I have about that. So we've we've reached the end of the mm-hmm. gruesome bizarre uncomfortable details of the case there is still some hope that Jane Doe's body will be found but many hunting seasons have passed so like many people have been traipsing through the surrounding woods and fields and nothing has been found and this was in 2014 so it has been quite a while so if her body I mean her body is out there somewhere but I don't think it's anywhere local Right. To where her head was found. Since the main theory is that this was the work of a body broker, it's not widely believed that Jane Doe was murdered, okay. but she probably died of natural causes and her body was desecrated afterwards. Although not everyone agrees with this theory, uh, at least as of 2017, there's not a ton of newer articles about this. But in 2017, police chief Andrew Gall was not convinced that this was not some sort of sick homicide. So that theory I had mentioned before that some sick idiot, uh, you know, used her as an experiment. He still thinks that that may be viable. But I really just from the little research that i've done i lean more toward the right. body broker theory
0: that's where i would lean to mainly because it's somebody that was embalmed but also someone that had, like nobody's looking for them as a missing person right so it feels like to me it is somebody that passed that had services that was buried and then somebody else either was grave robbing and you know, dug down in very shortly after she was buried so that they could just put the dirt right back over top um, to not really make it look like they even did anything in the grave and then, you know, took her for, for body breaking.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering, too, if she was a person that did uh, willingly donate her body to science and it was that. something true. that it kind of... the. The red rubber balls, they really get me because I could, you know, like those other heads that were purchased um, by those journalists. Yeah. They didn't have identification either. So it could easily have happened that she gave her her body willingly. But then with the red rubber balls, that's just a whole. Was there anything about the eyes on the other two? Nothing was mentioned.
0: Okay. Which probably means it was just normal and there I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah that so is interesting. Unfortunately we still don't know who she is, how she died, when she died. Jane Doe's head was buried about a year after it was discovered, out of respect. A partial funeral was held and the headstone reads Jane Doe, found December twelfth, twenty fourteen. And I will be posting, like I said, those photos of the clay bust that was made i have some sketches i'll be posting those on the blog if you have any information about the identity of beaver county jane doe please call the economy police department at 724-869-7877 that's all we have for this episode of the keystone cold cases podcast Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims only to law enforcement. If you have any tips, this episode was researched and hosted by me, Grace. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music by Darren Makins, production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.